Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Gaining Health Podcast. Today, I am just delighted and so excited to have Dr. Florencia Zimko with me today. She is the founder and medical director for Evexia Medical Nutrition and Weight Management. She has nearly two decades of clinical and research experience in the field of obesity and nutrition medicine, and she completed her internal medicine medicine residency, clinical nutrition fellowship, and clinical research in Boston, Massachusetts. She has worked at some of the top national centers, such as Boston Medical Center and Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, with affiliations at Boston University, Tufts Medical School, and Harvard Medical School. She is board certified in internal medicine and a diplomate of the American Board of Obesity Medicine and serves on the network advisory committee of the Obesity Society as an editorial on the editorial board of the Obesity Pillars. And she's a scientific medical associate for Obesity Matters. She lives in Jupiter, Florida with her husband and her two children who love Legos. And in her free time, she enjoys outdoor activities, swimming, and creating fun recipes with her family. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk to you. Carly, what a wonderful introduction. Now you're making me blush all those beautiful things you've said about me. And you can tell by the amount of smiles that I'm excited to be here as well. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm so excited to catch up with you because we first met a few years ago when you were first, you know, starting your idea of Evexia Medical and thinking about, you know, how to set up your program. And we were working together uh, through Gaining Health to kind of help you get there. And, you know, it's just been such a joy watching you kind of over social media, if you will, over LinkedIn and stuff like that, just seeing everything that you're doing in the obesity space and your success with your own practice. So it's just been, you've been somebody that I've really wanted to just catch up with and see how things have been since it's been a while since we've spoken. Um, so let's let's kind of get back to the beginning. So one of the hard things for a lot of people when they want to start a practice is figuring out a name for their practice. So how did you come up with the name and, and what does Avexia mean? So, so if I have to be honest, uh, for anybody starting their practice, make sure you check the domain availability. But, um, yes. you know, because as you navigate through these different names you're thinking of, the name is really important. And, and, and Avexia had a special meaning to me because it, it, it actually means wellness in Greek. Wellness, if you look at the definition, is actually the integration of different components that reflect our well-being. And so what are these components? Physical, mental, emotional, environmental, social, and spiritual. So again, it's physical, mental, emotional, environmental, social, and spiritual. And this is really, really important to understand because we cannot just talk about a physical body. In other words, it's not, you know, just like we always say, it's not just about that number on the scale, nor and certainly not about quickly pushing that number down. Wellness is a reflection of components that lead to well-being. And, and, and over 50% of adults are attempting to modify their weight at any given moment. If um, I think the last stat of the CDC said that one in every five middle-aged women is trying to do something uh, about their weight and they feel like they've been dieting for several years if any of the weight has been lost, it's quickly regained. So we're inundated with information about 
new diets and fresh gimmicks and, 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 and simple, quick, fast results. It's overwhelming. It's overpromising. And reality is there aren't any quick solutions. There isn't uh, anything uh, such as a magic pill or shots, I should say, actually. You know, there isn't the magic shot. Most people don't realize that weight loss is a delicate process, and it can be dangerous if you do it the wrong way. So Evexia, the focus on components outside of just a physical body, means that we help people reach their health goal. We focus on long-term successful weight loss. We focus on healthy weight loss, prevention of weight regain, and together we build a healthy relationship with self. Yeah. I love that. I love that you take all of those components because as you said, there are so many people, especially now, it's so exciting that we have new tools on our toolbox, that we have new medications. It's so exciting, but there's also that fear that people will just just use the medication or that prescribers will just prescribe the medication and not address all of those things that you just talked about that we really need to address for somebody to truly be healthier and be well. And that is really our goal, right? Is to help patients not just lose the weight. That's maybe one component of it, but really addressing all of those other factors so that, as you said, they can lose weight in a healthy way and sustain it and really just feel better. So I love what you have done with Avexia. You know, you've really taken those pillars of obesity medicine and lifestyle medicine and then you've also combined it with, you know, technology and then nutrition and lifestyle behavior. So tell us a little bit about some of this innovative technology that you use at Avexia to kind of monitor your patients, to stay in touch with them. Uh, tell us about that. The, um, so, so again, at Avexia Medical, we focus on that notion of optimal health and well-being. And in order to do that, we use the pillars that are known treatments, you know, part of treatment success. And this includes the evidence-based medicine, the nutrition, the lifestyle and behavior. And then in, in the year 2023, we have the advantage of leveraging on digital technology. Our team of, um, of specialists work very closely with each individual. It's not just about fixing or restricting a diet or eliminating a food group altogether. It's, you know, in, 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 in almost 20 years of doing this, it's really important for me to know that a person is supported throughout their health journey. By the time, reality is, Carly, and you know this as well, by the time people find a specialist, they've been through at least one, if not two handfuls of unsuccessful fad dieting, yo-yo cycle. They've been shamed, blamed, told that they're cheating, all sorts of outrageous things that have nothing to do with the science nor the disease of obesity. So our, mm -hmm. our, our program, our practice really places a person in the driver's seat of their health. We, you know, focusing just on the technology, we have a easy to use Avexia medical app. It could be downloaded for iOS or Android. We use telehealth, remote monitoring technology so that people can stay on track. And it also allows us to tailor their program in, in real time rather than um, recommending an intervention and finding out three months later down the road that it wasn't a success. We're able to adapt things in real time. This is really empowering for, for both the, the patient and the provider. The... You know, the app is also our HIPAA compliant way of communicating. 
Texting, video calling is available so the person can stay in touch with the different components of their team, their doctor, their, their, their nutritionist, their health coach. Um, we have a smart scale. It's, it's paired by Bluetooth to the app. So that means that every time a person gets on the scale, the information goes straight to their doctor. Not, not only weight, but body fat, lean body mass, hydration. Um, and it's really important, again, to monitor from a distance, to be able to monitor from a distance. You compare other gadgets to the app, you know, blood, blood pressure cuff, glucometer, activity tracker, et cetera. And it, uh, for those that are already using Fitbit or iHealth, it'll sync with that information. I think one of my, one of my favorite little gadgets um, that we, we included was uh, software, special software that uses artificial intelligence to generate very detailed nutrition support, um, uh, reports. And so I'm going to tell you something. There is nothing more boring, absolutely nothing more boring than telling somebody to write down everything that they've eaten. And in my experience, mm-hmm. pen and paper, you hand them the sheet, they walk out of your office, that they either chuck it into the trash right then and there, or they put it in their bag and forget about it until the morning of their follow-up appointment. They quickly, you know, pull it out, chicken scratch, something relying on their recall ability. And so we get that. Let's make it user-friendly. Let's, let's, um, let's make it simple. And let's be able to deliver that detailed information to the provider. Because at the end of the day, this allows us to better tailor the plan to an individual person's baseline needs. And over a period of three days, that's the way we have it set up. You take pictures with the with your phone, uh, the, the food on your plate, the, the drinks, and it generates a 10-page report that serves as a baseline foundation. And, and it's really neat because you continue to use it throughout somebody's program and they can see, you know, they, they can see their progress. They can see their dietary changes or food choices. It's, it's, it's easy and simple and, and you know, perhaps you're wondering, is this a one shoe fits all? I'll tell you, we get a lot of, of phone calls. How long is your program? How many weeks? How many? And here's the truth. Mm-hmm. Losing weight permanently can be frustrating, right? Permanently can yeah. be frustrating. In every year, more than 45 million Americans attempt to lose weight through dieting. For most, lasting weight loss is elusive. But in parallel, the notion that a single intervention will work, one single intervention will work for all, is even more elusive. It's important to recognize the individualization of treatment. This is quite frank. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to ask you is so like... How often do you see patients in the office versus kind of communicating with them via the app asynchronously? So like, how does that, because, you know, it kind of changes the whole model of, you know, we're, we're used to, you know, we see our patients X number of weeks apart or X number of months apart, and then we address all of these things in one visit. But this sounds much more fluid where there's a lot of communication back and forth. So do you still have kind of those in-person office visits, if you will, or is it re- or is it combination? How does that work? Yeah, so so absolutely, different people have different needs. If if it's right. a young working male travels frequently, reality is it might be tough to get him in the office once a month. 
Maybe I see them in the office right. once every three months, but it doesn't mean that they're left out there alone. We're in constant communication. I, I, I say you have 24-7 access to your team. If you message me at 3 a.m., I sleep, so <laughs> I'm not going to be replying in real time, but it's, it's, it's about supporting that person throughout their journey. Um, I will tell you the, the it, it is a requirement uh, to, to, to come in in person for that initial um, visit. It allows us to do a whole bunch of things, EKGs, full body comp. You can see my you know, one of our machines just behind me. But then if the person wants to continue uh, primarily virtually, because this is something that is what their schedule allows, and that's absolutely fine. We're physically located on the east coast of Florida, just north of, of West Palm Beach. But we have several patients on the west coast of the state or down south in Broward. They, they drive perhaps for two hours for one in-person visit a year, and then the rest is remote. I think that's really great because a lot of people approach me and they ask about that, you know, can I start a totally, you know, telehealth practice? Do I need a brick and mortar building? Like what's the benefit of doing both? And, and my answer is usually I really like the combination of having a brick and mortar so that you can put your hand, see the person, do a physical exam. Also in terms of, you know, controlled substances. I know, you know, right now we don't have to have an in-person visit still, I think until 2024 with the Ryan Height Act uh, being kind of lifted during COVID, but that's going to come back again, probably, or we don't know what's going to happen with that. But but even regardless of that, being able to meet somebody face-to-face for that initial appointment, at least, I think is important. And then, but then also having that flexibility so that you can have a wider reach, you can have more access to care for a lot of people, and you can have that flexibility because it's so difficult for so many patients to come in to an office visit. And so much of what we do is counseling that we don't have to have them physically in the office every time. So I love that you've been able to combine that. But listening to the way your model works uh, it doesn't sound like our typical insurance structure is really geared towards providing that type of care. So your practice is is membership based, right? That's correct. And so um, I'll tell you most of, or at least when I was still in Massachusetts, I was always working through insurance based models. And I'm going to tell you what happens. Um In severe cases of disease with multiple comorbidities requiring more frequent blood work, for example, or if you're using interventions such as full meal replacements that that, that require more frequent blood, you would do all of that and and bill the insurance. And two or three months down the line, patients would get the bill in the mail. And the letter would say, this isn't covered. Two, three, you owe two, three thousand dollars, et cetera. And it, and, and, and it becomes very, very frustrating. So, in my mind, a person should not be penalized because of the severity of their disease. And you can create uh, membership models rather than a fee for service. There's, there's uh, two types of, of models, and we looked at both. Is this a fee for service? Every time they come in, they, you know, there's a nominal fee, or is it just a comprehensive? Uh, monthly membership that includes all. Think of it like Netflix. Netflix says you, you pay a monthly membership. There's multiple movies. Some people will watch all of them. Some people will 
uh, watch less of them. It's it, it's important to to figure out a business model and plan. Of course, you need to make sure your numbers meet. But this this grants everybody access to all of the members of the team. So medical doctor visits, wellness coaches, dietitians. We have extended appointment times, weekends, evenings. The the app that I I told you about the smart scale that's paired with the app. I, I say 24-7 connection with the team, and then all of the testing. So blood, urine, uh, if they come in the office, body comp, if we have to do an EKG, and then we have a digital library with all the nutritional information. It just it makes it a whole lot easier. Remember, you know, I, it's naive to think that there is a one-shoe-fits-all solution to the, the disease of obesity or to any, any healthcare problem. It, it, it is naive to think because we are different people. Different people have different needs. It sounds like an obvious statement, but then why is it that we think that a single intervention that worked perhaps for our neighbor or for our niece or for our friend is also going to have the same result for us? And if we try it and it doesn't have any result, does that mean that we don't have any other option? No, absolutely not. To the contrary, again, individualization of that treatment is important. And when you present it as a membership model, they it, it, it takes the burden off of, oh, I, I, I need to select this. I'm not eligible for that. I'm not, you know, this has really, really worked across, uh, across the boards. And, and, and feedback is that patients love it. You know, they, they really feel empowered in the driver's seat of their health. And, and they don't have to worry about hidden fees or insurance reimbursements and things like that. Right. They know what to expect. There's no surprises. Yes. No hidden fees. They know what to expect. They know that the blood work is there. They're not going to you know, have to wait and see if there's an additional. Um, and, and, and regardless of that, I still use, you know, because a lot of the commercial insurances will reimburse for um participation and 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 you know this we use different billing codes and we present them with a super bill and they can submit it to their insurance and if they have a little bit of coverage it's great but if they don't they're not worried about all those hidden fees yeah yeah and i think that's great and i think that's a really great um tool to use for clinicians who who have more of a cash-based program that are not using insurance is to be able to offer those super bills to patients. And then it's up to the patient to see if they can get reimbursement from their insurance, but it takes all of that burden off of you as the clinician. And it takes, again, that there's no surprise charges for the patient as well, because I've certainly seen that happen. And that can be a real shocker to people. And a lot of people are like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't afford this. So And it adds to the burden of the disease and already you know, all the stigma and bias related to this disease. And now you throw on top of that, uh, the financial strain of of attempting to seek coverage. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's not what we should be doing as providers anyway. It's, it's shocking to me. I will tell you that obesity continues to be the most frequently undiagnosed chronic medical problem. Um, you know, if just by going, let's, let's go by BMI alone, elevated, elevated BMIs and multiple comorbidities and, and, and they're referred over. We, we always request their, um, medical records and at a weight of 300 pounds, 400 pounds, 500 pounds, obesity is nowhere near 
that person's uh, list of medical problems. And in parallel, they're, they're on at least eight or nine or 12 different prescription medications to treat complications of obesity. We really need to start, you know, I know, I, I know us in, in the field of obesity medicine are, but across the board, we really need to start shifting this conversation, shifting the dialect and, and, and supporting our patients again in their entire, all of the aspects of their well-being. Yep, there needs to be a real paradigm shift. And that paradigm shift is something that you and I have both been fighting for for years now, you know, rather than just putting band-aids on all of these complications. Let's get to the root causes. Let's take our time and listen to our patients and treat each person as an individual and get to the root cause. That's why my logo behind me is, is a root, because we want to get to the root cause of all of these diseases. Uh, so that we can really help people feel better. So we need to flip the paradigm on its head rather than treating all the complications and not even oftentimes diagnosing obesity, or even if we do, 50% of the, you know, only 50% of people get the diagnosis if they have obesity, but only 24% of those people ever receive a follow-up visit, you know? Um, So again, you know, if we can flip that paradigm on its head and really start addressing the obesity earlier and treating that first, then we don't have to spend all of our time on the downstream complications and our patients feel so much better. And so I know I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> you know this. So um, so I that actually leads me to want to talk about, you know, there's lots of stuff going on in your state of Florida that you have been involved with in terms of you know providing better access to obesity care. Uh, so you were involved with the recent revision to the 1998 Obesity Treatment Standard that the Florida Board of Medicine passed, and you're also a founding member of the Florida Obesity Society. So tell us a little bit about you know what you've been doing in your state. You've been doing a lot. <laughs> the um, again the, the the vision and the mission um, is has always been there, and 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 I'm fortunate to say I'm. I'm passionate about what I do, and, and, and I'm always looking to help make changes across the board to, su- to, su- to support the people affected by this disease. Reality is that that's, at the end of the day, that's what we're all coming together to do here. Um, a lot of the states, mm-hmm. as you recall, when, when FenFen was taken off the market, a lot of the states across the country issued blanket statement rules uh, restricting um, the treatment of obesity. And and in Florida, specifically to physicians, so through the Florida Board of Medicine, there was a rule that was issued in 1998. And just like those rules that are written, and then nobody looks back at them. But together with the, uh, you know, tremendous amount of work, and I'm glad that's over, I'm glad that's over 11 months of addressing the Florida Board of Medicine, and they were absolutely open and and very... um, eager to work together and learn how they can, they can improve, which is a huge asset, by the way, um, to, to have the Florida Board of Medicine on board and wanting to, 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 to make these changes. I worked with three additional physician colleagues, so Troy Donahue, Nikita Shaw, Angelina Bernier, she, she contributed to the pediatric language, and of course, but with the unconditional support of Joan Edglowski at the OAC, Obesity Action Coalition, and it was a success. We were able to change things like access to care, um, same prescribing rules for, for, um, for obesity, just like with other chronic medical problems. So if you're, 
you know, uh, treating, using bupropion to treat depression. Well, if you were using it to treat obesity, you had all sorts of um, rules that had nothing to do with the current guidelines nor evidence uh, supporting safe treatment of this disease in the long run. Uh, one of the important things that we also achieved was removing, removing the language about the initial BMI. And so if, you know, if your blood pressure is elevated and you start the medication and the blood pressure then is normal, you don't stop the medication. We all get this. Well, for obesity, yeah. once that initial BMI was down to this normal, you know, norm, which we know means nothing anyway, you had to stop the medications. We were able to remove oh. that. And, and importantly, in the addition of the pediatric language, the, the, yeah. the use of virtual telehealth for the treatment of obesity, just, you know, we, we didn't get all of the, we, you can only imagine if you put four obesity medicine docs in a room with the board of medicine and we're told, what would you like to change? Trust me, we had a long <laughs> list of things. We were able to get most of them, which was really important. And again, the board of medicine was supportive of these changes. Um, and it really makes a difference in access to care. This is important. Somebody seeking treatment for the disease of obesity now has the same uh, standard. You know, they're 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 placed under the same standards in terms of accessing care. This this is uh, phenomenal. And then and then of course when 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 that was done, I moved on to the next project. And and if you look across our country, twenty one states have obesity uh, societies. You, you know, you, you were very involved in yours. We didn't have one for Florida. And so um, we're, we're in the process of establishing the entity. The focus is mission, support, advocacy, education, community. It's really important. You know, we were just at TOSS and I, I, I was um, presenting on this and talking to other state societies. And it's really important for us in the year 2023 to have all of the providers included. So medical doctors, nurse practitioners, physicians, uh, we have pharmacists, we have special surgeons, surgeries in here. You cannot create an advocacy and education group in the field of obesity medicine unless you are expanding. Pharmacy needs to be in there too. I was speaking at the Palm Beach uh, Nurse Practitioners Annual Meeting uh, last month and we were, we, you know, the desire is there. The interest is there. The need to seek further. Sure, we have the Obesity Medicine Association, the Obesity Society. These are, you know, programs. But to have a local state society and then, you know, if we think big, maybe in the long run, all of the states in this country can have a society. And together, you know, we, we can become even stronger as a voice. Exactly. That's so important. And I know we were just at the Obesity Medicine Association, and we also had a separate meeting for anybody who either had a state or local obesity organization or was developing one. So Florida was in there as well. And like you said, you know, we can really support each other too. We don't have to all be doing this in silos. So it was really sharing of ideas, um, sharing of ways to make these more successful, sharing of resources too, because one thing I do have to say, I think a lot of people don't realize 
how much volunteer time and effort these types of things take. So I just want to also just recognize you and thank you for everything that you're doing, because I know it's so much work. It takes so much time. It's all on a volunteer basis. And you're doing that on top of being a mother and a wife and owning your own practice and being a business owner and all of these things and speaking and doing all of the things that you're engaged with. Uh, so just, you know, thank you. I, I know it's a lot. So thank you so much for your time and on all your efforts. So speaking of involvement, <laughs> I know you're also very involved with the Chamber of Commerce, the Women in Business Group, and also Obesity Matters. So you're doing so many things. Tell us a little bit about where this passion comes from for you to, to be involved, to connect with people, to network to support all these organizations? Um, I'll, I'll start by saying I could not be where I am today without the support of my mentors um, and, and whom I'm still very, very much in contact with. Um, and they're an important part of what I do day to day. You know, I, I, I strongly believe that we are all here today. You, you, I, we are here today because we stand on the shoulder of giants, people that, uh, prior to us were, were brave enough to pave the way. Um, and so just speaking of the, of, and, and this is a, a big drive for, for the passion and, and my dedication to this, to this field. I'll, I'll date you back 2004 when I started. Um, we were, you know, I, I was at Boston Medical Center. I was the intern walking around with the, with the model of, of five pound of, of fat. Then we were talking about the 500 calorie deficit. Then it's easy. Do it through food or through exercise. Nobody was reporting calorie. You know, just to see how much has changed since then is, is, is so empowering. And so it's, it's part of, again, contributing to the drive of why I, I'm, I'm determined to really change access to care, change the dialect, the dialect that we have regarding this disease, because we all know this is a disease that is treatable. We've kind of dug ourselves into a little hole. Before I answer your question about the chamber and stuff, we've, you think about it, we've dug ourselves into a little hole where we say, obesity is complex, and it's relapsing, and you need the multidisciplinary approach. And and then so for many, and, and, and this is language I hear around my area, well, let's, you know, you need all these, these specialists, then you have to be multidisciplinary. I'm just a one man show and a little practice. And uh, I, I very strongly disagree with this. I think that the conversation of uh, the disease of obesity can happen and should happen at every level. From, from from the primary care routine checkup, from the OBGYN, from the pediatrician, for the, at schools, education, we can be talking about the disease of obesity at any level. You do not need to be a specialty clinic with all the fancy gadgets. This is different. Um, and so my, my voice within the community uh, is, is in part because of that sharing the voice and the, the concept that this is something that is available to all of us. The Palm Beach Chamber of Commerce has nearly 800 members, um, which are organizations. The shared purpose is to foster partnership of private, public, education, and civic organizations that are working together so that the Palm Beach North is Florida's prosperity coast. Um, there's 10 different committees and councils that are serving 10 different municipalities. I'm specifically involved with the Women in Business 
um, which is one of their uh, councils. It's a working council that promotes networking and education for professional women and women entrepreneurs. In parallel, they're highlighting women leaders in the community. Um, We're dedicated to bringing educational and enlightening programs to female professionals in in our um, area. And they host four major events, in-person events in the year. We just had our Women of the Year event. It was so much fun to see a room full of women at all levels, by the way. You know, you don't have to be at the top nor the end. It doesn't matter. Just community, that support, that empowerment, that education. Um, and in one of the newer programs through the Women in Business uh, Council is their Mentorship Academy. I was fortunate to participate. You know, when I when I started hearing about what it was, it brought me right back to residency throughout our training. You know, as an intern, you have your resident, resident fellow, fellow attending, attending, you have your students. And, and so it was only natural to want to to, to want to participate as a, as a mentor. And the academy is an opportunity for women facing challenges affecting their career or looking to grow personally or professionally. And mentors are paired with a mentee, and it's a six-month uh, program, and it offers one-on-one plus a virtual classroom that covers all sorts of different um different educational components, setting career goals, developing interpersonal skills. And the participants, I'll tell you, not only the the mentees, I learned a lot um, as a mentor. The participants uh, gain valuable knowledge and and skills that help them advance their career while also building a network of personal and professional contacts. This was residency all over again. and, and, And I'll tell you, I can't emphasize enough how I could not be where I am today without the support of my mentors, all of us. You know, your, your, um, your work through gaining health is also indirectly, you know, you don't call it mentorship, but you're, you're also providing guidance for people that are looking to take those first steps, right? Yeah. And a lot of it came from that because I've been, you know, I started out as a mentee at the Obesity Medicine Association. Sam Christensen was my mentor. I still talk to her on a regular basis. I have my little trinkets that she's given me behind me right here at my desk. Um, So yes, so she has been an incredible mentor, but there are so many others who have helped you know, shaped my path and brought me where I am today. And so I wanted to pay that back too. So I've been a mentor, you know, through the Obesity Medicine Association for years. I usually take on as many mentees as they'll give me. Um, But you know, yeah, it got to the point where I was doing a lot of this mentoring and people would just email me. And so it just got to the point where I needed to have some structure around that and I wanted to make that part of gaining health, which is why I'm really excited that we have this men- this membership option now, which is, it is essentially mentorship. We're there to support each other. We have live video meetings where we can meet other clinicians from all around the country who are in a similar place. They're looking to start their own practice. They're frustrated with where they are, perhaps in their hospital system. They're not getting the support they need. They're not able to provide the patient care that they know their patients deserve. So they want to do something about it. And so this is really about empowering each other. A lot of them are women. Of course, we have men who are members as well, but it's just such a great community to be able to support each other, 
share resources because, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, but there's lots of resources that they have that I wasn't aware of, right? So we could share all of these with each other. And I just, you know, love that sense of community and being able to build each other up and support each other through these things. So, and I love that you're doing that through your chamber of commerce for other women in all kinds of other, you know, business sectors as well. Um, So that's, that's amazing. So to wrap it up, if you had a few pearls for clinicians who want to start an obesity program, what are kind of some of your, your top takeaways or top pearls you could give them? I'm going to sound like the Nike commercial. I'm going to say, just do it. For anybody out there looking to do this, take the leap, just do it, get over it. We need more. We need more. There aren't enough fish in the pond. People get very overprotective and defensive, and I'm not sharing this, sharing that. No, to the contrary. We're only as strong as our weakest link, so do it. And no. You know, call gaining health for sure. Pearls of knowledge is your first stepping stone. Know that there are many different ways to set up a practice. Know that there are different components and important steps you need to be taking at the beginning. And most importantly, know that you're not alone. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It's been so good to finally catch up with you. Thank you so much for everything you're doing in this space and for your patience and for sharing your Lego flowers with me before this call started. They're amazing. They don't need water. <laughs> and it, was, <laughs> it was so good to see you. And I look forward to speaking with you again, hopefully soon, and also just continuing to follow your journey on social media and are there ways that people kind of want to follow what you're doing or get in touch with you? Are there ways that people can do that? Yeah, absolutely. So we're on uh, Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on uh, LinkedIn and certainly, um, you know, look me up on LinkedIn, know that I'm a resource, know that I'm a friend, know that I'm, I'm there to help build that community and that together we can really start making, you know, making the difference or continue making that difference. Awesome. I will be sure to put those contacts in the show notes. So thank you again for being with us today. Thank you for joining us on the Gaining Health Podcast and for your commitment to learning more about how we can care for people with obesity in a compassionate and evidence-based way. If you'd like to learn more about gaining health and how we support clinicians who want to start or optimize an obesity management program, please check us out online at gaininghealth.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with a friend or colleague and leave us a review. And lastly, if you'd like to support the podcast financially, even if it's just $5 a month, we would really appreciate it. And you can do so by clicking on our Patreon link in the show notes. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time on the Gaining Health Podcast.